0: You are now tuned in to the Asian Madness Podcast, a podcast where we discuss all things true crime, mysterious, morbid, and odd from the other side of the world. I'm your host, Jessica. Please sit back, relax, and let's dive into this week's topic. Hey everybody! Before I begin this week's episode, Again, I have a promo I would like to play for you. This is Voice of the Victim podcast with your hosts, Ryan and Rosie. I'm Ryan. And I'm Rosie. We are the Voice of the Victim podcast. Every Thursday, we discuss cases that have been influenced by abuse in some way and try to make sense of these senseless things. We also try to identify the missed opportunities where people could have made a difference in the future of the victim. We hope to help others know what to look for so we can protect ourselves and our children. Subscribe to us on your favorite app and help us spread our message. And remember, if you see something, say something. We are all the voice of the victim. Ryan and Rosie, they cover all sorts of topics, and they like to give a very detailed discussion between themselves, and at the same time, it gives us an insight on the different aspects of the case. I highly recommend this podcast for people who are into serious, but not too serious, true crime. Now, let's begin today's episode. Hey y'all. Welcome to another episode of the Asian Madness Podcast. I hope you guys have been enjoying my content thus so far, and I appreciate all of you who continue to tune in and provide ideas and suggestions. I like that stuff. So, this week's episode is pretty brutal, but not in the same way of Furuta Junko or the prince who killed off nine members of his own family with an assault rifle. Some of you may have heard of this case already, and as for me, I found out about this one after watching one of those based-on-the-true-story movies. This is the case of the 2002 fetuses discovered in a Buddhist temple mortuary in Bangkok, Thailand. All the fetuses found were thought to have come from illegal abortions. How did this even happen? How did a mortuary manage to hide and stash away 2,002 fetuses without anybody realizing something was going on. In this episode, I will walk you guys through the story and the facts of this case, and I will also touch on the topic of abortion in Thailand, because... how can I not? It's basically the premise to this entire episode. So, if you're more sensitive towards crime committed against unborn babies and pregnant women... I suggest you skip this episode, although it doesn't get very brutal. It's just, maybe the idea of it might be a turnoff. It won't get bloody or gory, it's just really sad. Let's begin with a quick audio news clip regarding this case. Row after row after row of 2002 fetuses found in a Bangkok temple. Health officials, police and charity workers laid each one out to count. The white bags bear the name of a charity, normally involved in handling bodies in accidents and organizing burials. Thai authorities found the remains in a temple mortuary, where bodies are usually kept before cremation. A strong stench was noticed and police were alerted. The fetuses are thought to have been there for a year or more, the result of illegal abortions. Several clinics are being investigated and arrests have been made of two undertakers for hiding the bodies. And an abortion clinic employee. We are checking whether it's possible for the five or six suspected clinics to dump this many fetuses within a certain period of time, as they said they have done. Initially three hundred and forty eight fetuses were found, but further searches have revealed five times that number. Location the Painung Chotinaram Buddhist Temple in Bangkok, Thailand. Date November 16th, 2010. After a series of complaints from nearby neighbors reporting a horrible stench coming from the temple, officials have finally decided to go check out the temple and the mortuary slash crematorium that is part of the temple. The smell was slightly confusing at first, mixed in with the smell of gasoline. The best way to describe the smell would be overwhelmingly bad so you probably already know what that smell was. That day, a total of 348 fetuses were discovered, hidden away in a room, all the fetuses stuffed into plastic bags. But of course, that is not all. Police continued to search in the temple, and three days later, on Friday, November 19th, they had announced to the world that a total of 2,002 fetuses had been recovered, In different areas of the temple, the mortuary, and the crematorium. Some fetuses appeared to be just a couple months old, so tiny, while others would seem to be a lot older. Most of them seemed to have been placed there for so long that their bodies had dried up. I guess, in a sense, they were mummified. So I guess you could say they finally found what had been causing the smell one problem solved, and a thousand more popped up. Let's start with what is probably on most people's minds. What the heck? How? Why? It's easy to guess where the fetuses came from, but the whole story behind it is still baffling nonetheless. Allow me to feed you some information that I have. So as soon as the fetuses were discovered, three people were immediately arrested. Two undertakers and the woman who was believed to have helped collect and deliver the fetuses from abortion clinics to the temple. According to those involved, this form of illegal business had been going on for about four years already. The woman who was responsible for transporting the fetuses admitted to her role, explaining that she received a payment of 500 Thai bot, approximately 16 US dollars, per fetus. All she had to do was transport them from the abortion clinics to the temple. But it later turned out that her role was not so simple. She herself used to work in a clinic as a nurse and said she had observed doctors and nurses at the clinics perform abortions, both legal ones and illegal ones. In other words, she had a rough idea as to how to perform abortions. The clinic eventually closed its doors in the year 2009, And this was when she had the bright idea to take over the clinic herself and run it. Illegal abortions were already happening before she took over. But once it became her own business, she got to call the shots and did what others couldn't or wouldn't. For those pregnant under three months, she would charge them 5,000 baht, around 160 US dollars. As for those pregnant over five months, she would charge them close to 1000 US dollars for the abortion. I guess this is because being pregnant for over five months can put the mother's health at risk. And I'm just going to say, a lot of the mothers died from these illegal abortions. So basically the story goes, she watched and learned and did it herself. Imagine just watching people perform open heart surgeries for, I don't know, a few months. And one day you're like, oh, I can do that. And you open your own clinic or you perform your own surgery. Really? Is that how that works? Wow. I guess you can say goodbye to medical school. She would then take the fetuses herself to the crematorium and hand them over to the undertakers and pay them about 200 baht for disposing of them. That is about six U.S. dollars. She would also pick up fetuses from other abortion clinics and they would pay her in return. Messed up much? Plenty. Her grand plan was to hide the fetuses with other corpses in the mortuary, those that were actually going to be cremated in a Buddhist funeral ceremony. Since the monks performed prayers for the dead during the funeral cremation, she thought, hey, kinda like two birds, one stone. You know, the monks would unknowingly perform prayers for the unborn during someone else's funeral. Brilliant! Yeah. Clearly, this woman treated the fetuses as her money making business. When police dug deeper into her life, they discovered that she had eight adopted children. Turns out, she would end up adopting the babies that did not die during abortion. And I would assume she felt the need to because maybe to compensate for all those lives that she did terminate. In her own words, she said something along the lines of, quote, I commit sin every day, so if the kids won't die, there's no need to kill them. And I want to have children, because I can't, possibly due to the sin, unquote. So kind of like, they managed to live through the abortion, must be destiny. Might as well. As for the two undertakers, they were also arrested and charged for hiding and disposing human bodies and remains. They both admitted that this had been going on for years, and they also gave a quick walkthrough as to how they did what they did. They would take the fetuses, get paid per fetus, and put them away in plastic bags. You would think that they would want to cremate them as soon as possible to get rid of the evidence and the rotting smell, but no. I guess they'd been cremating people for a long time, so they knew that a dried human body was way easier to hide. So that's what they did. They dumped the plastic bags of fetuses in separate areas in the mortuary and the crematorium, would wait months for them to dry up, and then hide them under the bodies of those due to be cremated in a funeral service. But how the heck do you even get up to 2,000 plus fetuses? And since the neighbors were complaining, wouldn't you want to do something about it quick before it gets out of hand? Here was my initial confusion. I mean, there was a crematorium after all. Why not just cremate them all at once? Plus, the smell of decaying fetuses had been in the air for a while already. It was only a matter of time before someone came to check it out. Turns out, the furnace in the crematorium had broken down, so it was not possible to cremate anything. Maybe that's why there was a huge backlog of fetuses. But then again, some of the fetuses had been left for over a year already. Imagine that. The undertakers even tried masking the smell by pouring gasoline on the plastic bags, which seems a bit dangerous. In a sense, I'm glad the furnace broke down because it was about time people started noticing what was going on there. But there is another issue to this side, which I will discuss later. The woman who ran an unlicensed abortion clinic and delivered fetuses to get cremated was facing five years in prison. The two undertakers who were illegally disposing of human remains could face up to one year each in prison. Of course, they were probably not the only ones involved. There were plenty more abortion clinics who used their services, but once news broke out about the fetus discovery, many clinics immediately shut their doors, trying to lay low for the time being. Police conducted intense clinic raids for a while in the local area and found more than 20 clinics who were in the legal abortion business. In 2011, one of the undertakers, Suchart Pumi, was initially given a two-month sentence per fetus, which in the end amounted to 333 years. It was then later lowered to 20 years in prison, which, I guess, is not too bad. The other one denied his participation in the fetus disposal, and was later sentenced to 40 months for helping others hide the fetuses. I mean, you can't really just deny and expect to get away with it. As for the woman, she was sentenced to five years in prison. I thought she would receive a longer sentence, to be honest, for running an illegal abortion clinic and for disposing of the fetuses in such a way. What do you guys think? About a week or so after the discovery, a series of rituals were performed by Buddhist monks to help purge the souls of the unborn. As you may already know, Thailand is a very Buddhist nation where about 90% of the population are Buddhist. Abortion is pretty much considered a sin in Buddhism because not only are you taking away a life, you're taking away a chance for someone to be born as a human. In the concept of reincarnation, you have to lead a clean and spiritual life to increase your chances of being reborn as a human being. As a kid, I would hear people often say things like, if you kill a dog, you'll come back as a dog, or something like that. Different schools of thought in Buddhism have different views on being a vegetarian. While some refuse to eat anything that used to be a living being, others deem it okay as long as it was not killed on their behalf. So back to the rituals. All the fetuses were given ceremonial names, names were written down and placed in a coffin. The ritual performed goes by the name of circumambulation, which is believed to, quote, blot out sins and ward off sinister influences, unquote. By performing these ceremonies and rituals, it signified the moving on of defeated souls to the next life, and also that the temple itself is purged of all its wrongdoings and evil. Asians as a whole tend to be more superstitious in regards to the supernatural, I think, so plenty of people would believe that the temple is haunted, filled with many ghosts of the unborn. These ghosts might be vengeful, may linger around, haunt their mothers, and maybe even want to hurt people. So the rituals kind of help put people at ease, believing that the souls have all moved on peacefully, and it also helped bring back people to visit the temple. So if people don't visit, then donations decrease, which makes it hard for this temple to survive. The 2002 fetuses were not cremated, but were instead sent off to a medical facility to be examined for further information. Yes, this story is very disturbing and very sad, and it's really not just a simple situation where people are caught doing terrible things and end of story. There are lots of underlying issues to this, so let me discuss some of the major ones. You may be wondering, is abortion legal in Thailand? Yes, to a certain degree. It is legal only under the following circumstances. Rape, incest, under the age of 15, and or if the mother's physical or psychological health is at risk. Only if you meet these conditions, then are you allowed to get a legal abortion. You know what strikes me as super interesting? Well, aside from good food and good massages and cool beach destinations, Thailand is kind of known for its sex industry. While they are very popular and open in one aspect of the sex industry, the whole pregnancy, abortion, pregnant before marriage stigma is very much alive and completely on the other end of the spectrum. Also, it doesn't help the cause when most people in the country are Buddhist, which is very much against abortion in general. Many countries around the world still hold very traditional and conservative values when it comes to sex and marriage. There is no sex before marriage, no divorce after marriage, and usually it's the woman who is devalued. She loses value when she is no longer a virgin, or when she's divorced, and even worse, if she's divorced with kids. This is obviously not my stance, but we cannot deny that many places around the world still hold these views. It may be antiquated, but change doesn't come that easily, especially if it's been ingrained into their culture and way of life. The number of annual pregnancies in Thailand is around 1 million, and in the 2010 statistics, around 800,000 babies were born. This means that around 200,000 were aborted and around half of those were miscarriages, leaving the other half as voluntary abortions. Of these voluntary abortions, guess how many are legal abortions? Around 10,000. So around 1% of pregnancies in a year are terminated legally, and about 10% of those are aborted illegally. Of those 100,000 illegal abortions, approximately 300 mothers die from complications. I don't know how those numbers compare to the ones in, say, the United States or Canada or wherever you're from, but in Thailand, it is described as a frightening figure. Of course, no matter how much sex education is provided to people, there will still be accidental pregnancies. Most of these women seeking abortions are said to be women in their 20s or teens, which makes sense. These women are probably not married and don't want to end up a single mom. Even men who are involved in accidental pregnancies may choose to back away because of all the responsibilities and, of course, social stigma. It's horrible, and they really need to step up. It takes two to get pregnant, and leaving and walking away is just horribly irresponsible. But they do it anyway, because they can. So maybe you're wondering, hey, it's great that police finally found what was happening behind closed doors. But is it great? Here's the catch. Once news broke that police would be cracking down on those abortion clinics, they adapted their ways to making house calls, as in, I will go to your house and give you an abortion since my clinic is under surveillance. Illegal abortions tend to put the mother's life at risk as it is, but it is even more risky when it's being performed at home without all the proper gear, without the proper equipment, and you're even exposed to possible infections. That's the problem. Cracking down on abortion clinics doesn't necessarily cut down unwanted pregnancies. Those are still going to happen. And once they happen, they are still going to need someone to help take care of the problem. And another thing. Demand is still there, but supply has gone down. Meaning, the price for all these illegal abortions might even go higher up, making it even more expensive. This was a social issue, and there were many people who expressed their thoughts regarding this matter. Those that support legalizing abortion say that it is beneficial to the society as a whole because it can help reduce social problems. Then there are those who oppose it, explaining that the law is already flexible enough. As for the women's rights group, they want the nation to know that it is a matter of women's health, not about religion, politics, or society. Religious groups, on the other hand, point out that this is about respecting life, about ethical conduct, and family virtue. An archbishop of Bangkok said, Some people think that abortion is a right of the mother of the child in her womb. Nobody mentions the ethical conduct and virtue of the family. Christian teaching promotes and supports respect for life. We prepare the couple to have responsibility, to sacrifice and not to be self-centered, end quote. While I can't say that I agree with them, I kind of do understand where they're coming from. After all, they are religious people. The subject of abortion in Thailand has met many reforms and changes throughout the past few decades. Planned Parenthood Association of Thailand have explained that when women go seek out help, they talk to them and make sure they have made the right decision. They advise them on their options and give them time to think things over. While Planned Parenthood exists, they still feel pressure from those outside forces, mainly the Buddhist religion. Regardless of how these women are trying to change the nation's views on abortion, it is still a very sensitive topic that has to be dealt with carefully. In 2014, four years after the discovery of the 2002 fetuses, Two abortion pills with names I cannot pronounce, but both start with M, were finally approved for use in hospitals. Despite all the advancement and success, the stigma doesn't seem to be going anywhere soon. Women who choose to get abortions are constantly labeled as evil mothers and immoral and promiscuous women. It's a tricky situation, really. You want to talk about safe sex and all, but society is ashamed and opposes to such topics. And once those discussions are shut down, you get a bunch of teens who are desperate to seek abortions because they know that if their family found out, they would get shunned and punished. Some people believe the cure to this problem is abstinence. Like that's going to happen. I mentioned in the beginning of the episode that the first time I heard of this case was from a movie that was made about this case. The movie is called... The Unborn Child, and it came out only a year after the fetus incident. The story has a pretty interesting and predictable plot, with a slight twist in the end. It combines the real facts from the case, from the secret illegal abortion clinics, to the delivering of the fetuses. And because it's a Thai horror movie, it also adds to the whole ghostly, haunting, supernatural element that people would associate these things with. It's a pretty interesting movie, and it can give you a better idea into Thai culture, the fetus case, and maybe get some scares. Kind of depressed me a bit, but worth a watch. I don't know how each of you feel about abortion, but as a modern woman, I have to say, I think it's not a problem to let us women decide what to do with our bodies. I can say with certainty that getting abortions is not on any woman's top 10 favorite activities to do. Unfortunately, accidents do happen, and guess who is stuck with the consequences? The woman. I honestly believe getting abortions can be harmful to not only the physical body, but can also affect a woman's state of mind. Some might be filled with guilt or sadness. It's not exactly a happy occasion, and to get pregnant, it really does take two. I've seen people around me experience this, and trust me, It's a terrible feeling even just hearing about your friends or acquaintances going through this. It's not really like, oh, poor you, but more like, I wish you didn't have to go through this. Some of the women who seek abortions actually were pressured to do so from men, which isn't really shocking. Some have wives, some are too young, some have strict parents, and some just don't want to be a father. Well, I can't say whose fault it is, but for sure, Everyone is responsible to a certain degree. Unless it's rape. Then it's always the rapist's fault. Fuck rapists. In a sense, the abortion debate is a bit similar to the sex industry situation. Would it be better to legalize sex work? It can help protect the well-being and lives of those in the sex industry, so assholes like Gary Ridgway and company won't feel like, ill they're hookers, illegal prostitutes, so they deserve to die. Because, I mean, people are doing it anyway, just some more discreet than others. Although, obviously, legalizing abortion isn't going to make women flock to abortion clinics like, oh, awesome, let's do this. It's completely different in this aspect. I understand that. All I'm saying is it can help guarantee a safer environment and more choices for people who actually need it. So that's just a random thought. So there you have it. The gruesome discovery from only nine years ago, actually. So many desperate women seeking help, not because they hate babies, but because they face a lot of problems and pressure from society. It can be financial, it can be because of their age, or it could just be because this one child might really hurt their future. I know that sounds bad, but I suppose some people just see the fetus as a fetus as opposed to a human baby with life. By getting their problems resolved, aka abortion, they can continue living life like nothing happened. If this has happened to you or those around you, please make sure you are safe and in a good environment. Surround yourself with people who will listen and care for you, not judge you. I would just like to apologize if I came off insensitive about this topic to anybody because um, to be honest, this is a very sensitive topic and I am sure that there are tons of different opinions out there in regards to abortion. Not saying I'm right and I'm not saying anybody else is wrong. It's just a matter of opinion at times. But I do fully support the fact that women should be able to get abortions if necessary and if that's what they want. And I already mentioned, nobody does it for fun. I can think of a hundred thousand things that are way more fun than abortions. So that's my stance and yeah. Thank you for tuning in this week. Till next time. Okay, before I go, I would like to thank the following people for giving me reviews on iTunes. So there is Jenna Dinishi, Dinichi from the US. And there is, wow, X-O-O-T-R from the US. There is CreamPuff190 from Canada. And Forge from Sweden. I really appreciate all your feedback. And the feedback recently that I've been getting is that I am way too monotone. The thing is, I can't just talk, and I do tend to read off my own script, which I admit. So I guess it's not too surprising that I do come off a bit monotone at times, or I don't know, depending on who you are, maybe I'm super monotone all the time. But in reality, when I'm trying to be serious, this is Actually, how I talk. Yeah, some people like it casual and some people don't like it casual. And I will still try to, you know, work on my delivery. But I'm just going to tell you right now, it's not going to happen overnight. And uh, yeah, thank you for your reviews. Honestly, I don't really mind the criticism because for me, it's, it's good to hear different voices. And as long as you're not being mean, you know... I'm good with it. So, again, thank you all. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Madness Podcast. Please help me by rating, reviewing this podcast. If you're on social media, please look for me under the handle AsianMadnessPod. If you have any comments or suggestions, do not hesitate to write me at AsianMadnessPod at gmail.com. I truly appreciate each and every one of you for being here. I am your host, Jessica. Till next time.